poor fat Tom, who, who a chapter ago was saying how much he missed his wife, which is the death knell of any <laughs> minor character. You idiot, don't say it. It's, it's pretty much one step up from being one day from retirement, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Queen's there, uh, Grandmaster Pycelle, who's um, <laughs> yeah, putting on some deathbed peeps for him. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 7 of Shark Live Raw's coverage of Game of Thrones by George R.R. R. Martin. And uh, I'm Matt. I'm Dave, hello. This is a very short section of book we're reading today but uh, it's a very important one yeah shall we dive straight into it let's dive head first right well the the first section um the first chapter we read today is about ned he, he's sort of having one of these little he has these quite short mini dreams every so often doesn't he ned and this is another one where he's wandering through the halls of winterfell and uh He's remembering this promise again that he's made to uh, Liana, his sister, who died. And we don't know what that promise is, but it, it seems to have been bugging him more and more lately. I wish I could tell you that I'd noticed this, but I I hadn't noticed until you said it then that there was this kind of promise. I suppose because I... So I've read it, and then I've kind of... It's dropped out of my head because it hasn't been resolved. So yeah. <laughs> apparently I'm a very lazy reader, it would seem. <laughs> Um, but but I but that's really interesting. Like, what could it be? Why, you know, he's clearly a man of great honour, so he's made a promise and he wants to keep it. Yeah. But how much of that is? How much of a, a you know a dead woman's dying wish is shaping the politics of a country twenty years later? Mm. His captain of the guard now is Fat Tom, effectively, and <laughs> it just kind of. Not I mean, an imposing presence. No, after considering <laughs> I, I was there a while back, thinking if only Fat Tom was here, I'd be able to manipulate him into letting me stick around and listen in on a conversation. Yeah. He's not exactly a... I mean, he seems a nice bloke, but he he's not exactly this sort of tough, steely guy that you would expect to have as your sort of right-hand man. Yeah, and I think it, it, it just kind of shows how, how depleted the Stark household is at this point. Absolutely. If your best man is somebody that a seven-year-old is thinking, I can confidently outwit him. <laughs> he's, yeah. he does, he's not likely to be a, uh, a tactical mastermind, is he? No, I suppose not. Ned is woken up in the middle of the night with a summon from the king, who's returned from the hunt. And um, Ned thinks this is a bit unusual, but I suppose you know he's used to the sort of whims of, of Robert. So he goes to see him, and it turns out that things are looking pretty bad. Um, Robert's actually been gored by a boar while out hunting. <laughs> just when you thought, honestly, just when it was already looking pretty shit for Ned yeah. Stark. You know, he's tactical misstep with the king's wife. He's had his leg crushed by a horse. His, his family's basically at, fam- at war with one of the other major families in the country right but he's all right because the king has got his back and the king is all powerful except when he's had his stomach run through by a big pig mm. oh yeah and um i mean it, it describes the actual wound they got, uh, that the king's got and oh, it's, it's horrible isn't it dreadful isn't it yeah it goes from his sort of groin to almost the top of his chest right so I, up I, have you ever been sort of Mano a pigo with a wild boar, because I can't. I can't imagine. Because I, you know, pig, quite mm. frightening. Big. If it gets up ahead of speed, I can see how it would crush me. But the idea of a pig is like an offensive beast, you know, like kind of, you know, lion, saber tooth tiger, pig. It just it, it, it eludes me a little bit. I mean, oh yeah, they're, they're really dangerous though, boars. Yeah, they can be. Yeah, I. I mean, I. I suppose I've always heard it, but I just. I don't know. I have trouble picturing it. Just, yeah. you know, because when I think pig, mostly I think bacon sandwich because I am an indictment of our age. <laughs> um, and it's just weird. Like, buy a pig, not buy a yeah. bear or something really impressive. You've been killed by a pork chop on legs. <laughs> it's, in, it's interesting that the um, that the king can't quite, he, he doesn't see it as a, a random sort of act. He sees this as a, an act of God and a punishment for um, for him 
ordering Daenerys to be killed. Mm. And um, I mean, that's quite. I mean, it's quite interesting because it gives it makes him have a change of heart and say to Ned, "Look, if you can try and call off whoever's going after her." Um, but also, I thought it was quite a, a good example of how um, we've seen it before. How people in high positions like this and doesn't get higher than the king can't accept the idea of just them being killed off randomly. It has to yeah. be has to be a greater meaning to it. Yeah, and there's there's something in um, uh, in this whole book about that, isn't there? Because it's there's a lot of time where George Martin spends a lot of time killing off people for no good reason. You know, there are just random easy deaths like Jory Castle last time, and um, yeah, uh, you know, just the kind of thing where you can be as badass as you like, you can be as 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 powerful against the standards of the society as you like. You're probably still going to die, mm. and. Um, uh, I tell you what it made me think of actually. I, at the moment, as well as reading this, I'm reading. Um, do you know "Bring Up the Bodies" by Hilary Mantel? Yeah, yeah, I've read it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, really good. Yeah, so um, so I read Wolf Hall and really enjoyed it, and finally got around to getting um, "Bring Up the Bodies." And it, it, if anybody doesn't know, it's um, it's it's basically Henry VIII as seen through the eyes of his most powerful kind of courtier minister, Thomas Cromwell. Yeah, and um, uh. And I was just struck all over again by the similarities between Robert and Henry VIII. Um, yeah. And and Henry VIII is tortured by this idea that God is judging him for having divorced his first wife. He's got this really powerful idea of God as being like kind of fate with a nasty sense of humour, basically. Yeah. And you can absolutely see that here as well, um, where where Robert's... You know, Robert and the rest of his life doesn't spend time worrying about what the gods or God or whoever he worships might want when he's making decisions in the small council or when he's wasting the money of the country or when he's dealing with his wife or whatever or his kids. But when he gets gored head to toe by a boar, suddenly, suddenly God's in the room. And I thought that was really interesting, kind of, he, even in his paranoid fearfulness... He's he's really treating kind of supernatural power as a kind of off the peg, you know, consumer item. You know, he's only really he's only really going to it for an explanation when he really seriously can't think of anything else. Because you get the impression to this point in his life, his ability to kill things has been all the god he needed. It's weird how even in what what looks like ostensibly this kind of really humble moment, actually I think he's still being incredibly um, incredibly self-important and incredibly self-absorbed, you know, and concerned with his own power, basically. So um, Robert then dismisses everybody who is, who is standing over him. The Queen's there, uh, Grandmaster Pycelle, who's um, <laughs> put, yeah, putting on some deathbed peeps for him. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's 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 administering aid, obviously. Obviously. Um, and there's, I think there's the king's brother Renly there as well. He sends them all out, apart from Ned, and they have this heart to heart. Um, they have this sl- brief discussion about Robert's legacy. Mm. Um, he's basically saying, "I know I've not been a very good king." Um, he says he was, he was as bad as the Mad King, and, and Ned sort of pulls him up on that and says, "Look, <laughs> you, you know, you've not been that bad." Yeah, you, um, I mean, you're dying, so you're allowed a little bit of self pity, but come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the so there are two things that Robert basically asks Ned here. One is try and call off the attack on Daenerys, and the other is this. Um, he he basically in Robert's he gets he gets Ned to write out the king gets Ned to write out his will, and in it he names Rob uh, Ned as effectively the the regent. Yeah. Um. The the the, the guy who's going to be in charge until Joffrey's ready to. Joffrey comes of age, yeah. Yeah, although Ned carefully... He can't bring himself to to tell Robert on his deathbed what he knows. That his son's a bastard, yeah. Yeah, Um, but he just quietly changes the wording in the will to say until his... Until his heir. Oh, he's a sneaky one. It's quite, yeah, it's quite... quite, um, quite sophisticated for Ned that isn't it political <laughs> quite words. political really mm. um, and I, I, I mean I understand why the king sends everybody out but at the same time 
is it not a better idea to have everybody in and witness the fact that he's saying this? Instead yeah. of being like, Ned, write it down. I'm sure they'll all believe you with absolutely no complications. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it's as much about him just wanting to have a, like, just a, a quiet word with his best friend before he dies, isn't well, it? More, yeah, th- more so than his, yeah. his will. But yeah, in terms of thinking ahead for how difficult to make things for Ned, I, I suppose it, it does make it more awkward for him. Yeah, just um, a bit. There's a there's a talk. Once once Ned um, finally leaves Robert, and he, then Robert says, you know, give me something for the pain and let me die. Mm. Um, they have a very quiet discussion outside the room about what happened, and uh, it turns out that Robert Squire, who surprise surprise, is a Lannister, <laughs> um, got got was made sure that he he was roaring drunk for when he approached this animal. Um, which obviously would have had an effect on his ability to sort of fight it and survive. Yeah, it's blatant, isn't it? Like, yeah. and I, I, watching the TV series, I didn't really have the same sense of how blatant it is that the Lannisters are trying to off the king. Yeah. You know, like, I, you know, it could just all have looked like happenstance and so on. But it's so good. His wife hates him. She's sleeping yeah. with her brother. She's got her bastard on the throne next. And then, then she's all you know. She gets gets her younger brother or younger cousin or nephew or whatever it is, to basically ensure that that her husband dies in a horrible way. Yeah, mm. I mean it's it's quite a long shot of a plan, isn't it? That, but I think um, they may have been trying a few of these things, like the melee and getting uh, him drunk on a hunt, yeah. just just to sort of think, you know, eventually one of them's going to come off. So they're just increasing the likelihood of an accident. Um, Because when you first look at it, you think, well, sending him out on a hunt and giving him loads of drink, he kind of does that a lot anyway. So how much are you increasing the chances of him getting killed? I suppose that's true. um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Uh, that that is true. Of course, Robert's responsible for his own kind of actions and so on. But the whole point is that he's really... He's in a way he's depressed, isn't he? And this is what we see. You know, he 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 doesn't yeah. like the life that he has. Um, yeah. So he's not he's not looking out for himself properly either. Um, yeah. But still, the Lannisters, bad apples, damn bad apples. Yeah, I also think hours before um, <clears throat> Robert's about to come back and find out this shocking truth. Um, it's a tremendous stroke of good luck for the Lannisters and bad luck for. A, Everybody else. Oh yeah. Because it, you know, it's not like um, they, you know, the Lannisters knew that he was about to find out and offed him. Yeah. It's just that um, these sort of slow, um, sort of almost half-hearted attempts to to get him killed, uh, one of them's actually worked at the very hmm. last minute. Yeah. yeah you know, lucky. I mean, I know that this is this is obviously that is very dramatic and is played for great portent and should be very well written, very exciting thriller. But can you can see this as a comedy, can't you? <laughs> like, <laughs> like you just you just put the camera somewhere else and have Cersei every night just like being visited by the various minions that she sent off trying to kill her husband, and none of them have worked. <laughs> so let me get this right: I spend a week winding him up so that he's in a frenzy of testosterone pride to get him into that melee, and then fucking Ned, fucking Stark. Stops him from going right, right. Go off and see if you can't do something with wine. Can you do wine? Yeah, yeah. I can just see them setting loads of complicated, diabolical sort of uh, attempts to kill. You know, like um, pushing a massive rock to the top of a cliff and and planning his route so he walks underneath it, and then it just landing behind him, (laughs) or him just turning around at the last minute. Or there's like. So someone's rigged up a big booby trap to throw a knife in one specific direction, and he sits down just as it's thrown, and he just remains completely oblivious. But there's these attempts that keep failing. Like it's, it's the Lannisters as wily e. coyote, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's just that. That's amazing. I, do you, so, do you think that Game of Thrones as a TV series would have been, you know, immeasurably improved by the addition of a few more? <laughs> to the soundtrack, or yeah, I think it would have been uh, even more popular had uh, had those kind of things been involved. We should write a letter to HBO, shouldn't we? 
Dear sir, are you aware that you've missed the opportunity for the greatest slapstick comedy since Chaplin's <laughs> The Great Dictator? <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Um, so, I mean, we shouldn't be laughing too much. This is a this is the death so, of yeah, a important character. Death of the character, yes. I'm serious. But, I mean, he got, he, you know, he died like he lived, didn't he? Um, and what, the, the actual... Roaring drunk and wrestling with a pig. <laughs> yeah, the actual the actual boar as well was described as this absolute monster, and he, he managed to kill it even though he was ripped open. Um, and I think Renly says even though he's he, he's effectively holding his own entrails in his hands, he still killed the thing, which just shows you the um, that the will and the power of the guy. Yeah, um, and you, you can, another it's another little window into understanding just how this kind of guy could have become king. Yeah, and how power works. And how, uh, yeah. on the one hand, it's uh, on the one hand, power, physical power, is everything, and on the other hand, it's not enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Ned uh, now has got a decision to make because the king is about to die, and he needs to make sure that he consolidates whatever power he has. He's got this, he's got this will, which you know Robert very specifically says that he is the guy to take over. Yeah, and it's what what he does with it now. And he gets this as he's as he's leaving uh, Robert's deathbed. He gets this offer from Renly, Robert's brother, who approaches Ned and says that, you know, what you need to do is get Joffrey and the other two, the the, the other prince and princess, into custody. Mm. Make sure you have them in your possession. Yeah. Because that's where the power is going to lie now. Get them away from Cersei. Mm. And he says he says within an hour he can have a hundred swords. Uh, Ned's command. Yeah. And Ned refuses. He says, um, I will not dishonour um, Robert's last hours on earth by shedding blood in his halls and dragging frightened children from their beds. Um, Ned wants to do this right. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, I... what, what, what's your read on that? Do it. I mean, so on the one hand, of course, this is enormously admirable, and this is how. This is how I think. This is the right thing for Ned to do. Mm. But bloody hell! Like it's not as if the rest of this political setup has shown itself to be terribly concerned with justice. And it's not like there's mm. some kind of independent, you know, judiciary or you know, kind of Santa Claus figure that can that can turn up and say, actually, all of your people are wrong, and the good guy is right. You know, it's not Hollywood. Yeah. So yeah. what is he? Who who on earth is he planning to appeal to using this piece of paper? Yes, absolutely yeah. yes. If this is the world you live in, get a hundred swords. Get five hundred swords. Yeah. Um. You know. So it, he's 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 almost a man who's too good for the world in which he finds himself. Um, yeah. At this point, and um, and I'm. It does make me wonder how on earth he maintained power over the sort of unruly lords of the north. For so long, yeah. If he's not, yeah. If he doesn't have that kind of ruthless streak in him, yeah. Um, he he's, he is. You feel this is a decision that he sort of is on the the edge with. Yeah. He just decides not to because yeah. even as he's walking away, he's wondering whether he's made a mistake. Yeah. And me- maybe part of it is deciding who to trust as well, because yeah. um, Renly can stick these hundred swords at his command, but they're still Renly's guys and. Yeah. Um, you know how much does he trust the king's brother? Um, in fact, he, he's got to trust someone. In the end, he, he he trusts Littlefinger. Yeah. Because he brings Littlefinger to his to his chamber and says, "Eventually, it takes <laughs> it takes a while, but um, <laughs> effectively asks Littlefinger to buy the the city watch to make sure that they are going to come down on the side of on the side of the Starks when it comes down to." Choosing between the Lannisters and the Starks, um, but before he before he actually makes that request, mm. uh, Littlefinger has an offer of his own, which is basically, um, look, put Joffrey on the throne, yeah, you've, and you, you'll have three, you know, you'll have three years to. Uh, let, let's let's roll that back. Actually, the, Ned's plan now is he, he's not going to rule for a long time. What he wants to do is um, remove Joffrey and the Lannisters, send word to Storm's End, no, not, uh, send word to Dragonstone, which is where um, Robert's eldest brother lives, Stannis, mm. to get him to come over and become king, because he's the next in line of succession once you remove Joffrey. 
Um, now, Littlefinger says um, that was a tremendously bad idea because it's going to create a massive war. Uh, obviously, the Lannisters won't stand for it, and Stannis is the kind of guy we hear about. We've heard a couple of things about him, and Littlefinger's obviously convinced that Stannis is the kind of guy who doesn't let grudges go easily in the same way that Robert did. Yeah. So it's going to be a massive civil war if he does that. Yeah. Littlefinger's alternative is he says, look, what you need to do, put Joffrey on the throne. You've got three years then to um to, to, to work on him and mould him into a better king. Yeah. And, you know, if in those three years it's obvious that he's going to be a psychopath, we can always quietly remove him. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that definitely seems to me Obviously. how power works in Westeros. Just quietly get rid of him, piece of cake. Yeah, and I mean this plan for whatever merits it has. I mean, you're kind of selling it to you know, know your audience. <laughs> never, never going to go for this, is it? No, absolutely. And although Ned, there's clearly something wrong with Ned's mind in that he's turned down Renly, who at the very least has not has not shown himself to be a smarmy conniving six-faced little bastard in the same yeah. way that Littlefinger has. Like, Littlefinger has been, you know, has ranged between openly rude and spectacularly insolent. He's yeah. just, he's one of the least trustworthy characters that we've met so far, and it's him yeah. that Ned goes to. It's <laughs> like, yeah. you know, fox yeah. guarding the, the hen house and also, springs irresistibly yeah, and also, to mind. Also, I mean, Ned Ned isn't, I suppose, he, he isn't really throwing his lot in with Littlefinger in in the same way that he isn't with Renly because he he's not he's not taking Littlefinger's plan. He's saying no, I'm not doing that either. Yeah. But he he is still asking him to do something, and also he knows the character of Littlefinger is this kind of sly, and he, he's got this power issue, hasn't he, Littlefinger? Yeah. And and he doesn't and he's got he's got this sort of you can he must know Ned that Littlefinger doesn't like him. He's made it quite clear. Yeah. And knowing those two things about that character, to say, I want you to help me, and you're going to do it on my terms. And you're is... going to do it secretly. Like You're giving him phenomenal yeah. power, aren't you? You know, because yeah. this is a conspiracy. And in a conspiracy, surely you have to trust your conspirators. Yeah. But Or you could go to Littlefinger, you know. Yeah. <laughs> He's a nice chap. Yeah. So, so Littlefinger says, um, you know, He's he's going to do it. He'll pay. He'll he'll, you know, for the cost of about three thousand, um, whatever it is. What is it? Three thousand gold pieces. Yeah. The um the the city watch will side with Ned and the Starks. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Just going back to the the little finger suggestion about um putting Joffrey on the throne and then getting rid of him. Yeah. Um. Littlefinger says, "If you know, if if you if you put Stannis there, the realm will bleed." Mm. And um, and Ned says, "What you're suggesting is treason." And Littlefinger's response is, "Only if we lose," yeah. which is uh, yeah, you know, which kind of sums his character up, doesn't it? It does, and it's the difference between Ned's approach, which is very idealistic and is looking for kind of an independent standard of right and wrong, and Littlefinger's, which is you know, the real king is the one who gets crowned, and that's the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you have to say, Littlefinger, who's more in keeping with the way this world and these politics seem to work, in it. Yeah, you can tell he's the guy who's been in the capital for years, can't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he's the one who knows how it works. And Ned, he's Ned is a man who's been out of his depth since he arrived, and is now beginning to flounder. You know, yeah. like he's been. You know, he's he's just getting. He, it's hard for me to have any optimism at all about this. You know, you just got this kind of pulling dread about what the consequence of this is going to be. Because surely, surely it can't play out the way that Ned wants it to. Yeah. Um, we <clears throat> we get a break from the King's Landing stuff, and we head up to the Wall for a brief um, bit of time with John. It turns out John's plan to get Sam into uh, into Master Raymond's sort of care, if you like, or become Master Raymond's steward, has worked. Because Sam's about to graduate with the rest of them. <laughs> to, to, um, to doubtless another <clears throat> inspiring peroration from Sir Alistair Thorne. Yeah, yeah. It also means poor old Chet's been busted down to the dogs now. He's got to go to the kennels and look after them. Really? Instead of, <laughs> yeah, instead of spending his days in the nice warm tower with the, uh, with the master. Oh, that's a good way to go about things, John, isn't it? 
Yeah, <laughs> so he's probably not too happy about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we we have this um, the, the effectively this this ceremony. We keep I keep calling it a graduation. It's the closest thing I can think of to to what it is. But um, the they're basically take their vows the uh the brothers the, the new brothers of the night's watch mm. and most of them do this in the sept which is where the uh sort of the the southern um members of westeros uh worship and john uh goes out to uh what's called a heart heart tree mm. which is where the sort of old gods are um are strongest i suppose and that's where they they worship their old gods and sam tags along as well because he says that uh you know the the seven gods in the south have never really given him much help, so he may as well, <laughs> you know, make an approach to the guys in the north and see what see what's uh, see what they can do for him. It's interesting. It seems quite a pragmatic approach yeah. to religion. It is. That's quite interesting, isn't it? Really, but uh, but of course, I mean, what this looks like to me is like Sam having found in John, who's na- who is named after the north, basically, Jon Snow. Um, yeah. He has, having found in John somebody that the perhaps the first person in his life will stick up for him and will actually see him as valuable and will try and you know make something of him. Um, yeah. You yeah. know he wants to identify closer with that kind of northern thing and these older gods. Um, yeah. So it's about identity, isn't it? It's about it's about in a way it's choosing a new name for himself. Not only has he gone into the Night's Watch, but he wants to go into the Night's Watch on the basis of you know, a, a, a total severing of everything that he thought he was back in the South. Yeah. So in a yeah. way, in a way it's quite touching. And, uh, but this, this whole thing about the, um, the, you know, there's seven gods in the South. No, what is it? Seven gods in the South and, and, um, and just a load of, an unnumbered load of gods in the North who are older. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, 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 seven, seven in the South that are named after seven specific. So you think you've got things like, there's the stranger and the mother and the father. Oh, uh, uh, right. You know, uh, and there's, so you've got, you got seven there. Yeah. And then, yeah, the, the north is just, yeah, this this sort of loose collection of old of, gods. So I don't think there are ever any... Demi-urges, ever. yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't think any are actually... A, it's not like they pray to specific gods in the north. It's just they... There's just this collection of the old gods. I don't think any any is particularly singled out. Yeah, at least yeah. not yet. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I suppose we haven't got any more data to go on really here, have we? But this is really interesting to me, like, because you know the kind of the the religion that's chosen by a by a, by people or by a nation or which is prominent in a culture or whatever tells you a lot about how that culture works. And, and about what they value. And so I'm actually quite interested in this, how we've arrived at a place where people people think of the, the kingdom or the seven kingdoms as being one whilst having kind of religious pluralism because that's, that's, that's happened almost nowhere else. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, we've nothing else to go on, but I'm just, I'm going to be, that's just a little kind of little flag in the back of my head. I'm going to, I'm interested to see how that, where yeah. that came from and what significant that comes to have. Yeah. Um, now, when the uh, obviously we've talked, we talked last time about the uh, the Night's Watch members being assigned roles. Uh, so you're either a ranger, a builder, or a steward. Yeah. And pretty much everyone ends up where they expect, apart from John, who obviously expects to be a ranger because he's badass. Up, yeah, and ends up becoming a steward. And he's obviously furious. Make me a sandwich. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, so he's furious to the point that he starts whining about it to his friends. Yeah. And um, and Darian, who's the, the 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 singer who got sent to the wall, if you remember, um, he got sent there for um, for rape. Mm. Um, and his story was that he was like he, he got into this bedroom of a of a highborn wo- uh, woman who sort of invited him in. Yeah. And and then when she got caught she said he'd raped her. And yeah. obviously, um the uh he, he was just packed off without any further question. Yeah. And when John's moaning about this not being fair, he says sort of he reminds him of what happened to yeah. him and he's obviously very uh, adamant still that he d- had done nothing wrong and he's been sent up to the wall on on the basic of the whim of uh or the of of the, of his lord who was down there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, 
and I, I love this because for all that we've seen John kind of kind of growing into a sort of noble leadership kind of aspect, he's still a kid and he whines like a kid. And of yeah. all the places in Westeros where you just that's just preposterous. You know, it's yeah. it, it's it's like first world problems, isn't it? It's yeah. um it, it's <laughs> like j- sorry, fair. You wanna talk about <laughs> fair? Where were you yeah. born and where was I born? Do you know what I mean? Like it goes, it goes even back before whatever ended them up at the wall. It goes back to lowborn, highborn, and the fact that there's yeah. just no, there's no bargaining against it. There's no dealing with it. It's just tough shit. Yeah, and there's also some, there's something else going on here with what this decision means because John immediately thinks Sir Alistair's found some way to screw him over. Yeah. And this is this is the final bit of revenge from Sir Alistair. Yeah. To to, to pack John off to the stewards. Yeah. Um but I mean if he takes a step back and thinks about it, um the the Night's Watch is a complete meritocracy and they'd be mad to put someone who's who's as skilled a fighter as John just as a you know, your average cook. Yeah. Um and when it when it turns out that he's to be the personal steward of the Lord Commander, yeah, um, Sam points out, look, this isn't just you becoming a steward; you're actually being groomed for command, like yeah. the way that when before Sam was cast off from his family as the eldest son, he was present at all his father's meetings and things like that, yeah, because he was he was getting him ready to become the Lord, and this is what they're doing here, yeah, um, which. Is is quite an interesting development as well. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And um, there's two things here, isn't there? First of all, Sam clearly knows a lot more about politics as a result of sitting in those meetings than John does. Yeah. So John's kind of to the manner born, but he doesn't know the first thing about politics. Whereas Sam, it would seem, is a lot smarter that way than he might appear. Yeah. Um, and um, and the other thing I was going to say was. Um, uh, was in the TV series, I was much more with John. I was much more worried that Sir Alistair had totally screwed him over. Because, you yeah. know, they, and they set it up and there's a shot of um, whatever his name is, he plays Sir Alistair, being like, you know, kind of looking smug and kind of, you know, yeah. I've screwed you over sort of look. So I didn't really th- think in the in the TV series that they'd be crazy to leave somebody like John in the kitchens. But in the book, it's much clearer. In the book, yeah. we've had a lot more of we are declining, winter is coming and the wall is not strong, you yeah. know, and all of this kind of thing. Um, never mind, you know, even before we get to the White Walkers, it's still frightening. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so in this, it was it was a lot more, it was a lot, there was a lot less jeopardy in that moment, I suppose, uh, yeah. in, in the book. Um, and uh, and again, it's because it's it's about politics. It's not a, it's not a high school drama. <laughs> Do you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. It's yeah. it's it's about politics. So um, so again, I like that George Martin didn't take the easy way there. So John and um, and Sam and a few others head out to this heart tree, which is just beyond the wall. It's quite close to the wall, so it's still relatively safe. You'd expect they expect. Yeah. But um, but it's it's you know it's out beyond the wall. And while they're there saying the words, um, Ghost comes running out of the forest with a severed hand. Um, Uh. And this is where we leave it. And it's sort of like, it gives, I mean, there's every chapter with John, we're talking, he he thinks about his uncle who's disappeared. And um, and then this this dire wolf comes out of the forest with a severed hand. Do you know what? Actually, um, my wife is reading this at the moment, sort of along with us, and yeah. um, so she just reached this point. And when she reached it, there was this this kind of like um, this like cry of frustration. It was like, "Don't leave it with <laughs> just a hand, and then you're going somewhere else." What? <laughs> and I sympathise with that very much because it's it's a great cliffhanger, but it is like, "No, come on, whose hand? From where?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I find this constantly in this in this book and in the series. Um, you really get into a chapter and then you turn the page and it's like you you're flying over to some other part of yeah. Westeros, and and you're sort of almost tempted to scramble along. Yeah, to get the next to the few pages just yeah. to work at just to work at when you get back there. And sometimes it's like five or six chapters before you're going to go back and thinking, oh for goodness sake. <laughs> <laughs> but it has to be said that unlike other books where I do that, like I um. 
if you ever read Tom Clancy novels, I find myself doing that a lot because there's whole chunks of the plot that I just don't care about. Um, uh, So I just end up skipping half the book. Whereas, at least with this, if I commit to the first couple of sentences of the next chapter, I'm going to be hooked back into that story. Like, all the stories are really, really interesting. But you're right. Like, you know, you can't leave it with a direwolf dropping a hand at somebody's foot and then we're going to go and be in (laughs) flipping King's Landing again. No, no, I refuse. (laughs) Right, well, um, refuse all you like, but we're going back there. Ah! To King's Landing. <laughs> this is, a, this is a, I said it was short, this is actually the final chapter we're doing today um, because uh, uh, for the, the way the, the series breaks the book down um, is a little uneven uh, mm. because it moves some aspects of it around. So we're obviously just concentrating on the book but doing it to the same sort of uh, in the same schedule as the series, if you like, or the same structure as the series, yeah. um, which means we get these sort of <laughs> weird, uh, I suppose, anomalies where we have sometimes large chunks of the book to read and sometimes quite quite short. Yeah. Anyway, we're back down in King's Landing with Ed, with Ned, and Dawn has broken, so um, he's not. He's 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 waited till dawn to move, mm. um, and he calls the small council together, and we think right this is it this is where we, this is where the the big sort of play for power happens. Mm. Um, he he sees that the that the hound is practicing in the yard, mm. so it's quite clear that the Lannisters and Cersei haven't left, yeah. which is his first sort of the first moment where he thinks well that isn't perfect. Um, he's not even gotten out of bed and already thinks I'm going to plan it's it's (laughs) not great is it this this incredibly powerful group who I tried to banish from the city still here yeah Yeah. Uh, Um, so so, so the the bells start ringing which mean the king has now died Mm -hmm. and um, it's quite sad Uh, it says that with Ned something died within him when he hears that because even with all this that we talk about with the politics and the power and things like that, at the heart of it, it is just these two very, very close friends um, and one of them dying now and leaving the other to sort of pick up the pieces. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's, I mean, it's like you, you, you've said this a few times, there's this whole relationship between the king and Ned is always tinged with this melancholy of how things were, were so they feel that things were so great when they were actually winning the throne together. Yeah. And that now it's sort of, it's just, there's a lot of sadness around it. Yeah. And, and this is the, in a way there's too much, there's too much tension in this because you don't know how it's going to play out um, for the, for it to feel truly melancholy, but mm. it's one of these, it, but it is, is there and it's just this really this riptide, this undertow in the whole kind of what in other books and, and in other TV series and films, whatever would be like a like a you know a full blooded gallop of plot yeah. and and tension and stuff and but but again George Martin's a genius and he's put underneath it this whole pull of a man losing his best friend and seeing. Yeah the seeing in a way the final death of everything he risked his life for as a young man and yeah. um and 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 in a sense i mean i don't know but what do you think about this is he just lost momentum here Ned? do you reckon that sort of that's what causes him to make dumb decision, dumb, dumb decisions like uh walking away from renley and then going to littlefinger you get a sense that he, he he's kind of lost his his oomph He's get up and go. I think, I think that 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 must be an element of it, mustn't it? That he's struggling to to sort of make the right calls here anyway. But when you when you also drop on in the fact that he's losing his best friend, yeah, and he's got he's trying to sort of process that as well. Yeah, um, yeah, that that must that must make you even more sluggish in your decision making, which um which is a lot for for, for, for Ned to try and work through here. Absolutely, um, yeah. Now this part of the but there are lo- there are quite a few parts in in the series of books where um, the uh, jo- the the G man does a really good job <laughs> of he sets tension and when something really sort of bad happens uh, it, it builds up by there's this course where things could be okay <laughs> and 
and you're sort of you're sort of bumping along that course, but you, you get buffeted by things starting to go wrong in the background. Yeah, and you're still thinking, it, you know, yeah, it still could be okay, it still could be okay, and then bang, it all goes wrong. Yeah, um, and these sort of these little things all come together and and just completely send you off the rails, and this is pretty much what happens here. We've already said that the, the, the hound's still here, so Cersei's still here. Mm. So you, you immediately think that isn't that isn't good. Yeah. And then um, as Ned makes his way to the gets to the small council, it turns out Renly's now fled the castle. So yeah. someone who was ready to be a strong ally is gone, and yeah. Ned again thinks. <laughs> that's Shit. <not> good. <laughs> um, but still, you know, it, it's, it's not terminal, but it's it's that doesn't help. Yeah. Um, so and then um, Ned is summoned to the courtroom um, while this while the small council is still sitting. So I mean, he he said, but, you know, he expects Cersei to make a move. What are they doing summoning him though? Because he's he's the, the he's the regent. Bit of paper, magic bit of paper. No. Yeah, but he hasn't really told anyone yet, I suppose, oh. has he? So, so I think the 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 and yeah, Joffrey hasn't hasn't wasted any time, and Cersei hasn't wasted any time in in claiming that the sort of power for themselves. This is a good example of Ned maybe being a bit slow to to actually. Oh, do you think? Make the claim. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, it's oh oh, it's terrible. You know, I was thinking before though, actually, with the, the spectre of King Joffrey raising its head. Um, do you think the reason that Ned turned down Littlefinger's plan wasn't so much that it was treason, but it's just that it would have required him to take Joffrey into his custody and put up with him all day? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is no, that... well, seriously, yeah. <laughs> like, and also because I don't want it, to is, do is, with is, that kid. Yeah, and also as much because not because it, just because it's treason, but because it's the Lannisters. He says to to Littlefinger, "These are the people who tried to kill, uh, he k- killed members of my household, tried to kill my son." And you want me to, to put one of them on the throne when they have no entitlement to it? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's, it's just you just you couldn't think of a, yes. a less likely plan to, for for Ned to back, really, could you? Good idea. I reckon I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So so Ned and and what remains of his household turn up in the or what remains of his guard turn up in the throne room. Flanked by Lannisters, but Ned's happy to, <clears throat> but Ned's happy to see that. For, for even though there are quite a few Lannister guards there, there are more gold cloaks, members of the City Watch. So he, he feels he's still got the numbers. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> he approaches the the throne, and it basically there's a there's a discussion that the power shifts from sort of left to right, and and you think that Ned's got the upper hand, then you think Cersei has. And as expected, it comes down to which way the gold cloak's going to go. Yeah. And Ned says, I want no blood spilled, and then tells the commander of the gold, of, of the city watch to take Joffrey into custody, and this is when the real betrayal begins, and the gold cloaks attack Ned's men. Yeah. And poor fat Tom, who I, I didn't mention this before, but poor fat Tom, who a chapter ago was saying how much he missed his wife, which is the death knell of any <laughs> minor character. You idiot! Don't say it. <laughs> it's it's pretty much one step up from being one day from retirement, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> um, he he is he's the first to be killed. Yeah. Um, poor fat Tom, and then the rest of uh, the rest of the. <clears throat> Sorry. The rest of the Starks quickly follow. Um, the the next guy who actually can handle himself, who's a guy called Kane, who um, who's popped up once or twice. He's the only one who who manages. It looks like he might actually cut his way free until the Hound leaps down from uh, from near the throne and practically cuts the poor guy in two. So and, and it ends with 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 Ned having a knife to his throat. Who's holding the knife? It's Littlefinger, and he says, "I told you not to trust me." And who's surprised? I mean, like yeah. to the to the clanging lack of shock from absolutely everybody. Why the hell do you trust this character with this? <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. I suppose, but I suppose he's got to trust. He's got to put trust somewhere. 
Yeah, but you, uh, it's, you, it's, it's, it's he hard, was right it? there. He was right there with a bunch of swords, and and yeah. he at the very least, you know, has has yet to show himself to be totally detestable. Or yeah, you could trust little. <laughs> As, at this point, yeah. as much as I'm pulling for Ned Stark, and as much as I'm 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 sad for his changing fortunes, honestly, you deserve what you get, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. So, what do you think he should have done? Put Renly on the throne. Well, difficult question, isn't it? Um, and and I suppose that's the point is that I don't know. Like, I don't mm. think there was a good way out of it for him. Like, I, I would I would stand by... This is in the continuing theme of, of, uh, of I would be a steward rather than a ranger. You know, I, <laughs> I would have just got out of Dodge. Like, you know, when you yeah. have the chance, don't stay overnight. Don't try and sort yeah. stuff out. Don't wait for the king to come back. Get on a horse. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the only way. Like, you've got to... And Ned, Ned had it right himself. You know, it was, mm. um, you know, describing the place as a nest of vipers before he went down there. And he's, he's absolutely yeah. correct. That's precisely what it is. He put his hand in a nest of vipers and had a chance four or five times to take it out. And rather yeah. than doing that, he sought out the most venomous vipers and tickled them on the belly to piss them off. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, he's, it was just from start to finish, start to finish, a, a political clusterfuck. And it's just, yeah. you know... Then this is what happens. With his d- decision over what to do, I think there's more than a, a little bit of, of his daughter in this, of Sansa in this, with, insofar as sort of, if in doubt, um, Follow the stick rules. to the rules. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because he's not sure what to do, and the rules say that Stannis is the next guy in line. So, that it, so then he thinks, right, that is the right thing to do. Yeah. And then... You know, you think, well, if he uses Renly, is Renly going to accept his older brother coming onto the throne? We don't know a great deal about their relationship, but yeah. um, it doesn't sound like Renly's trying to angle for his brother to get to get a bit of power. No, that's um, true. But in the same way, I suppose Littlefinger isn't keen on that plan either. Mm. It's a, it, yeah, it's a, it's it's one of those moments where you just think, oh, he's made their own call, and um, yeah. it's a bit of luck, and it's a bit of political mismanagement isn't it and yeah. it's and it's meant that most of his household has been killed yeah and yeah, this is no small mistake um uh, yeah it's just and and you've seen it happening for a couple of episodes couple of um couple of chapters now you've just seen mm. the water start to spiral the plug hole you yeah. know um and and this is the kind of well, I don't know how 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 bad can it get from here, but this is pretty bad. Um, yeah, and I do wonder what's going to happen. I also think as well. I always think with this kind of thing, I always feel for the minor characters who, sort of, someone like Kane or Fat Tom, where you are just relying on how well your boss can play the game here. Yeah, and if he gets it wrong, you you're going to face the consequences, and there's nothing you can do about it. Really. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, because all those guys who go into that room with Ned, um, because of his political decisions, if he if he doesn't get it right and he doesn't, they uh, they're killed because of it, and there's nothing they can do about it. Yeah. Um, which yeah, which is again, it's just another comment on on the way that this sort of society works as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and um, and yeah, I mean, so again, you've got this sight of of somebody who's imposing enough physically to boss you know whole armies you know to be a lord with a capital l but because mm. because he's not good at the politics he's as good as dead <laughs> yeah, like yeah. a song of ice and fire kind of in general just seems to me to be a big long list of how easy it is to die um yeah 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 and and we see it. It's really sad, and 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 actually, you know, it's that whole thing about Tom and dying, and 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 you know the inevitability of that because of Ned's ineptness in one particular area. I don't think it's so much about Ned being bad as it is about the system being fucked. Hmm. Yeah. So at the end of this, we're left with obviously the horror of just what's happened, and you, th- you, you, I immediately started decided to think right. Well. What's the fallout going to be here? Yeah. You're thinking of what's going to happen to his his children because they're still in the in the castle. Yeah. What's going to happen to Ned for a start? Yeah. Um, what's 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 Rob and Caitlin going to do when they find out about what's happened here? Yeah. And um, and and of course, 
you know, uh, the, the sort of wider consequences as well. Uh, what does this mean for this this war that's on the way? Because it looks like a massive shift in power towards the Lannisters here. Yeah. Um, we will find out about all of that in the next section. Um, okay, um, so if you're reading along with us, you need to go from... C- continue to read, obviously. Uh, the next chapter is about Arya, so we'll find out what happens to her. And read as far as page 605 in the HarperCollins paperback. It's a long section, and you need to stop reading when you get to a chapter about Eddard. Um, <laughs> the chapter begins, The straw on the floor stank of urine, which suggests <laughs> things don't go particularly well over the next 100 pages for Ned. Um, but yeah, once you get to that point, stop. And uh, part eight of the... Uh, of the podcast will 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 focus on on that section of the book. There we go. There we go, Dave. That's it. Well, for now. Oh, that's, and, that's uh, it. Another. I'm, a, I'm, I'm on tenterhooks. I am. Yeah, it's a killer. I can't wait for next one. <laughs> okay, as as ever, if you've uh, any comments to make on the on the book, uh, the series, or on the podcast itself, you can send them over to sharkliveroilpodcast at gmail sharkliveroilpodcast at gmail.com or uh, you can tweet us we are at sharkliveroil and uh, we'll be more than happy to uh, to hear your comments we are getting through these very quickly at the moment so uh, you may find that more casts are coming up before you get the chance to send anything through and we may have to miss feedback and, and, and include it later on but uh, don't let that put you off um, if you've got something to say you say it and uh, we'll consider it and uh, tell you what we think yeah. Make your voice heard. You know what I mean? I do. Don't 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 delay like Ned did. You see what happens when that <laughs> happens. You might not get a chance. You to might not get it. You might be betrayed by a little shit. Yeah. Although that's yeah. that's an outside chance, I'll admit. Never <laughs> trust the gold cloaks. <laughs> this is I, I don't think we can extend the metaphor that far, Matt. What, no, what gold no. what, what gold cloaks? Where? <clears throat> yeah. Right, well, in that case, uh, I think this is time to wrap this up. Yep. And uh, until next time, Dave. Until next time, man. See you later.